welcome to Scum, Beer and Villainy, the podcast about beer, geekery and everything in between. I'm your host, Marcel Harper. I am the creator of BeginnerBrewer.com and I've been brewing beer now for the last decade or more. And I am very, very happy to introduce and I'm joined by my co-host and fellow beer nerd, Matt Bezley. Matt is a relatively respectable citizen, multiple felon perhaps, but certainly not dangerous. Hi, Matt. Uh, hi, Marcel. By the way, did you did you get my reference there uh, in the intro? Uh, multiple felon, but certainly not dangerous. Um, I don't know, like The Fugitive. No, it's actually one of your favorite uh, novels or books. I don't know if you can call it. Ah. That. It's, it's, uh, it's not a novel. It's is, from, is it a pamphlet? No, it's from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, of course, Jesus. Oh, man, I need, a, I need a hand in my Hunter S. Thompson card for that. I know, because you are on on record as being a very big fan of that uh, that literature. I'm, uh, if there was a fan club, I'd belong to it. But <laughs> obviously, her, her, yeah. the, the, the idea of Hunter S. Thompson having a fan club is would be ri- counterproductive ridiculous. to the idea of Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> So, Matt, last uh, episode of the year, it's episode yeah, 16, I'm and uh, I'm psyched as well. And today, we are going to be treating the listeners to a whole host of things, not the least of which is probably our degradation into drunkenness. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. I like, I'm like. i going to put the word treat in inverted commas. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well, you know. Because, I mean, you could, you could replace it with a word like assault or grievous bodily harm, <laughs> insult, re- revolt. Yeah. Disgust. No, for sure. Uh, we are certainly going to disgust our listeners today with our descent into abject, disgusting drunkenness. But I um, hope so. Um, but I'm I'm psyched, man. I mean, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, let's let's face it, man. Like 2021 kicked our ass, man. It kicked our ass really, just like 2020 really, kicked our ass, I guess. No, yeah, but it was like 2021 was the sequel. Like 2020 was Alien, and then 2021 was Aliens. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there was more guns. There was more. The, you know, uh, yeah, we, saw, we thought ass. we had it whip in twenty one. We had the auto <laughs> no, rifles, we, the auto we, cannons. We had no, sharp sticks, nuclear weapons. No, no you know. we didn't. Have a, we didn't have a clue. We didn't know what was going to happen <laughs> to us. We didn't. We had no understanding of the xenomorphic threat that was exactly. coming. Well, I think you can all. We can all agree, Matt, that you know, in case no one was keeping up with current events, man, we just got our asses kicked. <laughs> we just got our asses kicked. Uh, yeah, we, we got we got asses kicked so hard our asses fell off. We had to we had to get new asses. There was much to, ass falling going on in the Yeah. And because the economy's gone down the toilet, we had to we couldn't even get original asses. We had to get those imported those Indonesian ones. asses, yeah, the ones that you know they won't insure anymore and <laughs> I see the degradation dodgy, has begun early. <laughs> dodgy carbon emissions. You know, yeah. you, you can't speaking, get the same ass anymore. Speaking of degradation of economy, and this is my segue into today's music, it's been a tough two years for artists, especially indie artists who mostly make their living out of live performances. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it must have been an absolute bloodbath out there. It's disgusting. Yeah, and I mean, as the dedicated listeners or listener of Scumbia and Villainy might know, we've always been uh, kind of supportive of indie music in this country. And we normally feature, well, almost always feature a band. And today's music is graciously uh, donated to us by a band which we've featured in episode three, back when we were young and naive, man. Um, we were young, but certainly not naive. <laughs> I'd like to believe that anyway, but uh, in a pre-lapsarian <laughs> well, that's, that's, state. That's very naive of you. <laughs> you fool. Yeah. So the uh, band which is bringing our music, our tunes today, 
is none other than Pollinator. Pollinator from Josie. Probably one of my favorite indie bands right now operating in South Africa. And most of the music you'll be hearing today is from their album Mothball Deities, which you can catch on Bandcamp. You can go buy it there. They've got a sort of pay-what-you-like uh, method going on there, which I kind of like. And I did buy their, uh, their their previous records as well from Bandcamp. I'll leave a description in the show notes and links and show them some love, please. Go and like them on Bandcamp, follow them, buy their album, because the yeah. uh, the indie artists really deserve it. And I hope you will agree that the music uh, coming from this band is kind of phenomenal. And, uh, so Dude, yeah. this, this track is so ridiculously good. It is. So let's let's give it a listen and uh, we'll be back just now. Anyway, insulting to pollinator because this is like the highest compliment I give them. But like, this like transports me back to 1996. Yeah, it's like that. That guitar is mm. you know when you pick up a guitar in a garage and you plug it into your first amp, that's the sound you want to make. Yeah, you know that's the sound you want coming out of it. Oh, it's so sick. It's I mean so I, it takes me back to listening to you know Bad Motor Finger from Soundgarden and. You know, that's sort of really so dirty, dirty, mm. dirty, dirty, disgusting, revolting guitar sound. Yeah, I love it. It's I love it. it. Lovely, lovely. So that's Pollinator, folks. And uh, like I said, you know, give them some love. Wonderful band. I think they're super strong. Right on to our show today, Matt. Um, today's show is going to be our year in show. So, rather logically, I think we're going to be discussing the best of 2021. Strap I- yourselves in, guys. We've got. We've got some lists coming your way. We've got lists. We're going to list shit. We've we're going to list we've got, all the things. Obviously, we've got beer. Uh, we're going to be adding to our IPA leaderboard again this this uh, this show. But we're going to go way beyond that. And we're going to be uh, drinking some excellent, interesting, and strange beers for the India uh, podcast. And um, I also decided, you know, sometimes when, when podcasts do India stuff, they will say, like, what's the worst? But I think we can all agree the worst of 21 was 21. Yeah, it was the whole fucking year. Yeah, so let's keep lit- it positive. Literally folks. everything about it, yeah. And yeah, I'm not, yeah, so we're going to be good stuff. I'm not one for this sort of fanning about hippie, hoity-toity, you know, pinko-liberal positivity <laughs> or anything. 
But, um, you know, I, th- I think sometimes it's okay to just keep things positive. We've got one semi-negative one, which I think we'll lead off with, um, perhaps. Uh, but, worst, uh, w- worst use of a prostitute in film this year. Shh, man, that's the other podcast, man. Oh, fuck <laughs> it. I keep the kingdom confused. Exactly. You know, hookers and film. The podcast <laughs> upcoming in 2022. Watch out for it, folks. Yeah. The number one most watched podcast at the CIA. <laughs> yes. And the, you know, Cuban intelligence service. It's rare that those two <laughs> Venn diagrams overlap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a circle in the middle there. Exactly. So, but before we get to the list, let's start with what must now be an institution. And it is... Thanks. Sorry for those of you now I have sustained permanent hearing loss. Um, but uh, you I know, just them's the break. I don't know. I don't know if you heard. There's like a very Dave Byrne influence on my on my singing. Very, I was I was going to go. Yeah, I was almost going to go. Talking of, Heads. Yeah. yeah. Or Kate. I, I thought I heard a bit of Kate there. Kate. Yeah, Kate. Kate uh, Bush, isn't it? What's her name? Oh, not not Kate from Randburg. I no, I've no. you know. <laughs> she doesn't sc- scream as effectively, but yeah. but yes, or even Bjork. Kate Bush. I was I was, I was channeling Bjork there for a while when you were uh, you were singing. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Let's just let's just say it was a resounding success. It was. I mean, obviously, I mean, it goes without saying that it was a resounding success. What is our intro beer for today, Matt? Um, probably the most incredibly interesting beer I've looked at. Yeah, this year for sure. Um, it, it's not just the a soul- bottle. Sure, this bottle is Beautiful. okay. We'll come. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll yeah. come back to the opening of the bottle. But let's <laughs> let's let's yeah. let's deal with that as its own subject. But we're we're going to be tasting the mm-hmm. Soul Barrel, which we um, which we reviewed in our last podcast. Indeed. We went through a couple of their beers, um, and we are drinking the Ale of Origin. Yeah. So this is a, um, a vintage, spontaneously fermented ale, and uh, it's a farmhouse style. So it means it's, it's spontaneously fermented with wild yeast. And it's a 2017 vintage. So this puppy was created in 2017. So it's a couple of years old now. This is, that's, I'm so excited. I'm so, I'm, I'm fucking jacked for this. Yeah. And uh, stemware wise, Matt, what are you, what are you pouring this strange, dirty, dirty ale in? Um, I am, I, because it's the end of the year, we are, I've gone all out. Um, I have glasses from the Colesberg factory purchased in 2002. That I have never used. Wow, and that's special. That is, yeah, yeah. That so um, that's what I'm pouring my beer in today. Cool. I'm pouring mine. I into, assume it will uh, taste like Denmark, <laughs> like herring. <laughs> <laughs> Lutfisk. Yeah. So, so I'm pouring mine into a beautiful Trappist um, goblet, which comes from La Trap uh, Abbey, and it's it's a really beautiful glass. It's one of my favorites, and it makes all beer look instantaneously better as soon as you pour it in yeah i've got a few true. other uh, pieces of stemware here i'm gonna go through uh, as we go along uh, but I'll, I'll leave that for later as people know i'm i'm a fetishist for stemware i know which is why it's so difficult drinking anything at your house i know yeah let's not go into that okay so ale of, of origin and um in keeping with farmhouse styles, and that's one of the things we discussed last time as well about Soul Barrel, is they want to keep things local. So, um, you know, the origin here is referring to a lot of the local ingredients they sourced for this beer. 
Uh, and there's quite a, a long story on the label itself. I can't really read it because... Ah, uh, Jesus, yeah. But, I mean, we discussed this last week, right? Uh, last podcast. This, the, the, this is everything that I said was wrong with their labeling, which yeah. is that it's uh, – unfortunately, at this size, it's unreadable. I actually – I can't actually read what's going on here. I, I think and we're just getting old, Matt. We can't read it. We need reading No, glasses. man. I don't, I don't even wear glasses. Like, I, I'm, I, I've got why relatively good eyesight. That's why you need reading glasses. No, man. Like, uh, anyway, like I know these things here. I can't read it. I'll I don't break know it what down. it is. So, so malt-wise, they've got some colored and barley, swell-and-done wheat um, hops. They've got southern aroma, which is a, a South African hop. They've got wild spontaneous yeast, obviously from that region, and then their water is from the Simonsburg Mountain Water, uh, you know, source. Okay. Um, Great. And, and this has really been done with a very traditional sort of semi-lambic style of making beer. Now you're not allowed to call beer lambic unless you make it in Belgium in that region. Um, but it's it's very much that style where you you make your beer. It's often made with uh, more of a wheat focus and a yeast focus than a hop focus. So you'll see that the IBUs in this beer are very low. Um, it's only got 13 IBUs. And often with, with the lambic style beers, for the homebrewers who want to attempt those, you use aged hops. So you would use hops which you've maybe forgotten about, which is lying in the back of your freezer. Um, and as hops age, they mellow out. They're not so bitter. They become much more mellow in flavor. Um, so they really you know, make, make for a very soft bitterness. Um, because these sort of beers are not hop-forward beers. They're really yeast-forward beers. And then they, they pass it over what's called a cool ship, which for those of you who have ever visit, visited Belgium will know what I'm talking about. It's usually some form of distributing beer across an open vessel to cool it down. And you do that over a lengthy period of time, sometimes a couple of hours, sometimes even a few days, to let the wild yeast sort of inoculate the beer. I mean, Lambic-style beers almost break all the rules for beer. You know, I mean, if you've listened to previous podcasts about homebrewing or you read the beginnerbrewer.com site, you know, we're all about sterilization, keeping things clean when you make beer. You know, you, you wash and you clean mostly as a brewer. Um, but in these sort of style of beers, you, you, you really go off script. And you actually encourage sort of almost the infection of the beer with wild yeasts and, and other sort of bacteria like uh, Britannomyces and, and those sort of things which make beer taste really interesting so that's a little bit of the homebrew technical data behind it it's it's very romantic like i'm almost certain this is exactly how i romanced my wife you know like mm, with bacteria down <laughs> and allowing allowing wild yeast to lay down on her and then, and then pouring her over a cold vessel you know that's everyone knows that's the way to a woman's heart oh you're such a smoothie man <laughs> i know i know you're welcome darling yeah. You're going to get stabbed at the end of this podcast. Um, <laughs> no, no, only if she gets away from all the yeast. Right, right. And uh, and then after it's cool, by the way, it's put into barrels, so it's aged in wood. Um, and these are usually barrels used, you know, before. So they would be uh, older, second, third, fourth full bourbon barrels, whiskey barrels, wine barrels, and so on. Um, so the flavor of the liquor which was in them is often very muted as well, almost non-existent. And these barrels then are used for generations sometimes because obviously the wild yeast and bacteria start residing in the wood so that it actually helps with the fermentation of the beer and then if that wasn't complicated enough you blend the beers at the end before bottling so you usually have several barrels and then you sort of taste a little bit of each and you you as the brewer have to figure out when if i blend these different ones together will it give me the nice flavor i'm looking for 
Um, and that, as we can tell from this one, it took about three years to create. And then they bottle it. And it's it's ages in the bottle as well because there's lots of yeast in the bottle still as well. Um, so it's a labor of love. Are you supposed to disturb the bottle? Are you supposed to kind of generally not end it? No, you, you're supposed to leave the the you know bottom five millimeters in the bottle. So don't don't put all the other gunk at the bottom in. Uh, I wish I'd asked that question before I tipped the. It's bottle not a over. big deal. It's just going to drift to the bottom of your glass. So it's hardly any, okay. uh, a big deal. All right, just just yeah. checking. Now, wheat, wheat um, beers with uh, the Hefeweizen wheat beers is different. There you actually roll the bottle and you want to pour everything in so that the beer is nice and cloudy. Well, this is pretty cloudy even without all the sediment. Oh, it would you know. be. Yeah, it's got, you know, it's got particulate in it. You know, it's got a little bit of the wood in it. You're not going to filter this beer. That's the last thing in the world you want to do because you want to capture all the flavor. Yeah. Um, okay. And this, this is really a style of beer which... Is very rare in South Africa. Soul Barrel is one of the very few breweries who have the skill and the know-how to do this, and the courage, I guess, because it takes a long time. So your your profit margin on these beers can be very low, um, given yeah. how long it takes to get to the customer. Um, but they are, in my mind, some of the most exceptional beers you're ever going to have. It's not, me, a, it's not a cheap beer. It's also not a cheap beer. Let's, yeah, let's I mean, be honest. This look, is, it's um, like a bottle of wine. You know, It's been in a barrel for a few years before you even see it. Yeah, now, this is not a, a six-pack kind of beer. This is a beer you buy for a special occasion, like, you know, maybe having an like end of your podcast. End of your podcast. Yeah, that sounds like a special occasion to me. For sure. Okay, Matt, so um, what do you think? I mean, the bottle, the label, I kind of like it. I mean, the bottles are beautiful. I, I love I love the bottle itself. The shape of the bottle is beautiful. It's very it's very reminiscent of, of wine or champagne. Yeah. It's that uh, that, that type of long neck. Um, I, I, I think the, the illustration um, on the front of the label is beautiful. Beautiful. Um, it's almost whimsical, I, um, isn't it? It's like a magical, whimsical. Yeah, it's a very there's a there's a kind of fantastical element to it. This very dreamlike quality, um, flowers and tendrils and wrapping around the bottle, uh, around the glass. Mm. I think it's it's beautiful. I love the illustration. Yeah. Um, I thought I think everything else textual is just shit. But yeah, it's tiny, but I mean these bottles are beautiful. We actually have um, a couple of these on our dining room table with flowers in them and stuff. They look really good if you sort they of look gorgeous, line eh? them up. Yeah. 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 And believe me, I've got quite a few of these. So, um, what do you think in oh, the well, glass? Uh, let's get there. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm seeing kind of like a, a golden, mostly golden, um, veering towards light amber. Sure. Yes, I, I I would be able to see mm. that if I could open the bottle. <laughs> I could reach the bottle open status. There yeah, we go. Yes, so the one thing we, we neglected to say is this bottle is sealed with wax. And um, I don't want to preface one of my items from our list here, but God <laughs> but damn it, man. Shit. God damn. You know, I mean, I don't know if there's that, a special tool maybe available in Belgium which yeah, you can use yeah, for this stuff. Yeah, is there a wax remover? Are we supposed to boil the top of the beer? 
What is? I did briefly how do we get the shit off? Uh, switching on a lighter of some kind and and melting the wax until I realized well with the wax has to go somewhere which would mostly be on my hand. Yeah. So yeah. then I didn't do uh, that. No, I know, but it, but I, it might even be preferable to the seven or eight minutes it took me to open this bottle. But I mean, yeah. maybe it's supposed to be an experience. I, I, I got my Rambo to um, you know. Uh, anniversary in a survival knife out for this Mach- machete. Yeah, yeah, it's a hell of a combination. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so a right, beautiful so, golden so now glow. Now I'm pouring. It glows yeah, from within. Uh... Sorry, I'm taking my time pouring this. Ooh, nice foley. Thank you. That's some lovely. You're always Thank the you. foley master, man. No, I know, I know. Half of those sounds aren't even made by beer; it's made by my body. <laughs> You gotta check that out, man. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it as a surprise. Um it's a lovely colour. It is a very kind of um golden, hazy you know. Um it's quite opaque. Yeah. No, it's definitely um, hazy. Quite a there's quite a I mean the combination is very, very I'm getting quite a lot of very big bubbles. Like not champagne bubbles, like uh very Really um, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. Because I get very but, soft but, um, combination from this. Oh, really? Mm. Maybe it's maybe it's our glassware. Or I mean, again, um, you know, each little bottle will be slightly different from the next. Um, they're not yeah, true. as homogenous as uh, normal sort of beer styles. Yeah, there's not a lot of head. Um, no. It's a lovely kind of caramel orangey mm. nose to it. And something a bit more musty as well. Yeah, in this case, your most, you know, you know, uh, irritating description of beer, musty, is actually appropriate in this case. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Every time I'm like, ah, oh, it's very, it's dank, it's skunky. Mm, yeah. And you're like, those are all bad things, Matthew. <laughs> but this is musty. But, it's a, it, it actually uh, does smell a little bit bottom of a basement. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit of a that smell you get when you walk into a, a barn on a farm or a, a horse paddock, that sort of smell. Not, no, not, it's uh, not shit. It's not unpleasant. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> the it's, more sort no, of not, old hay kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 organic. You it's know, there's an organic. organic smell to it, and it's um, but it's it's also not unpleasant. It's a, a kind of very natural smell. Very natural. I mean, if someone tells you this was made on a farm, you'd believe it because yeah. this is yeah, really. I mean, in wine, they, they call that sort of thing terroir, which is a very uh, highfalutin <laughs> word for it's the location um, of where it's made. And, and this definitely, I think, illustrates that. I thought Tehran was a city in Iran. That's a different Tehran. Ah, <laughs> oh, God damn it. I wish I'd gone to school. <laughs> if only I'd read a book. <laughs> I told you, man. Read books. Any book, especially a book about Iran. <laughs> Um, it's yeah, it's a very, it's a very um, interesting kind of. It's a nose that I'm not picking like very individual scents out mm. of. Like I said, besides a bit of a fruity, uh, charred orange, you know, is the best. Very I can much say. so, like a dried orange peel, maybe, or a, yeah. if you do a cocktail, where you sometimes have to uh, light up a, an orange yes. peel. Um, yes, that's exactly like that. the kind of. There's a little bit of that kind of citrusy, but the the dark notes, you know. Mm, mm. And then I, and inside, I can kind of actually see these clouds of, I don't know if it's the, the sediment or the yeast, but it's like almost like, um, you know, like constellations of the of the sediment moving around, which is mm. also looks very pretty. That's very poetic, man. I like that. Thank you. The constellation yeasticus. 
Yeah, yeast that Rita read a book is. Yeah, no, it's it's beautiful, and yeah, the, the, what you're seeing there is the yeast sediment, the yeast cake building up because it it still ages and grows inside the bottle. These are live beers, so when when we talk about a live beer, it's a beer which actually does change in the bottle. So you've got live yeast in the bottle; it hasn't been filtered or pasteurized out, and that changes the you know changes the whole characteristic of mm. of the drink, like yeah. wine. A yeah. lot of wine ages that way because it's got still some live yeast in the bottle i mean these beers are to me Ooh, wow just marvelous <laughs> With, uh, for lack of a better word you know what i can i can actually tell immediately why you are such a fan of this mm-hmm. there there's um there's a hint of that kind of sour beer sour mm. notes there's a bit of sour. Uh, le- lemony uh overtones mm. um but it's it's a quite it's a very dense beer so that actually lifts the whole thing which is quite delicious yeah it's got lemon it's got orange again orange peel um definitely a challenging beer i mean this is not an easy beer in the sense of you know i would hand this to someone who's never had other beer than lager um that would be an error <laughs> i think uh, no no that it would they will they'll be very surprised and probably mm. upset by this beer although i must say if you if you know someone who's a big fan of let's say really good champagne or People who are into wine, especially the more barnyardy um, mm. or bar, you know, sort of cured meat style of wines, like your your Cabernet Sauvignons, your Cabernet mm. Francs, you know, those sort of uh, red wines, yeah, or your naturally fermented Chardonnays and and Sauvignon Blancs, then this will be familiar territory to them. Yeah, like that kind of high tannin wine where where there's a there's quite a powerful um, acidity to it. You know, yeah. The, the, the this is very reminiscent of that. Mm. And I mean, sometimes if you close your eyes and you drink this beer and you forget that it's slightly carbonated, it does taste a little bit like a very soft, naturally fermented Chardonnay, for instance. Yeah, or a or, 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 or a, a, a brute champagne, you know, without yeah. the sweetness. Yeah, and some of those really older, um, you know, vintage champagnes which have a bit of wildness to them. It's 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 actually very interesting how. The flavor changes between the the kind of sip and the swallow. Absolutely, um, it's, it's very it's very not not very sweet, but it is much sweeter as you're taking it in than it is when you swallow it. When you when you finish mm. it, it's got a bit of a bite to it. Mm. Yeah, it, it bites you a little bit in the back of the, the tongue or the throat, and um, it is a bit sweeter because it's only got 13 IBUs, which is super low hopping. Mm. Um, so your malts are always going to predominate in that kind of hopping schedule. And the wood flavor, I mean, that slight vanilla cigar box um, flavor, which wood seems to impart to all things which ages inside of it, is also there. Yeah, there's like a, also now that I think about it, on the, the smelling it as well, there's like a, almost like an oaky wood chip, mm. um, you know, scent to it as well. Yeah, and this this has almost certainly been, obviously it has been aged in oak, um, which most wine barrels and liquor barrels are made from. And um, yeah, it's beautiful. And there's definitely uh, the the sort of horse blanket farmyard yeah. flavors yeah. Uh, throughout. Yeah, I'm going to use the word funky again, but it's but mm. it's a it's a cool but it is funky. funky you know? yeah. it's, it's very funky. It's 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 a density and a and a and a complexity of flavor. It's as funky uh, as look, pollinators it's... music, man. <laughs> so, well, so look, let's. Why don't we do that? I don't want to rush this beer. Yeah. So, and I don't think this is a beer that can be rushed. I no. think you need to kind of let this settle on you.
So why don't we talk about one or two of the items from our best of I list agree. while we're drinking this? Let's do that. Okay, let's kick yeah. off with let's kick off with <laughs> the one we've alluded the one, to. The, the the one that you don't have an answer to. That one. No, I was going to think of the one which we just alluded to, which is uh, the opening oh. of this bottle. Um, oh, oh yes, okay. So we've, right, got a, we've got a combination today, folks, of like beer-related, best of uh, twenty-one, and movie-related and geek-related stuff yeah. which you can, yeah. you know, come to expect from us. Um, yeah. So let's kick it off. So my first one we're kicking off is the only semi-negative one. So let's get that out of the way. Yeah. And that is yeah. your pet beer-related peeve of twenty twenty-one. Yeah. And I'll kick yeah. it off. Um, it is okay, wax sorry, before, sealed before bottles. You, be- sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> No, 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 no. Okay, I, I was just—I was going to say just before you before you say yours, I'm going to say that I had a different one until about <laughs> half an hour ago. Okay, and now mine's the same as yours. So why don't you tell us what yours right. is? But we, we we'd like to hear your old one as well. Yes, I'll tell you my old one after you. Yeah. So this one I, I could have written down a year ago already, um, and that is sealing your beer bottles with wax. Um, God damn it! God damn it! Yeah, I mean, if I could just have one little wish, and please, I know some of the croppers sometimes listen to this podcast, mostly just to uh, see whether they should continue their legal action against me. But um, <laughs> uh, please, please, ladies and gentlemen, stop sealing your bottles with wax. It is an incredibly difficult thing to use as an end user, virtually impossible to open without either stabbing yourself with a sharp instrument or even when you get the damn thing open and you open the cap there's a non-zero chance that little bits of wax is going to fall into your beer because there's always little bits of it kind of granulates as you cut through it it's just silly um i understand why you might want to do it because it looks nice it looks rustic it looks special it looks lovely when i when i was um you know running um hate city brewing company I often thought about having sort of limited edition beers sealed in wax. And I got the idea because I once bought a bottle of Maker's Mark uh, bourbon. And they do that nice red wax seal on their bottles. And I thought, yeah, that's cool. You know, that's going to look nice. Um, but that's before I actually try to open one um, of, of those. And it's just a terrible experience. And it adds nothing. Nothing. It's, it's very annoying. <laughs> it's very annoying yeah. and and very possibly quite dangerous. I yeah, it's annoying. I went with, I went with this bottle into the mountains of the Eastern Cape and I came back a man. That's <laughs> that. That's how dangerous this bottle yeah. is. Yeah. Why why have you got a hook for a hand now, man? It's like <laughs> I open this bottle. No, it's yeah. it's not great. And I mean, there are other ways to seal a bottle which denotes specialness. And I think one of the ways which you do see from um, some of the craft brewers in Belgium and the Netherlands. I mean, I'm actually looking at a bottle here on my shelf. Yeah, so so Herzog Jan is, is the brewery in Belgium. They're very famous for having beautiful ceramic uh, bottles. But they seal their bottles with a little champagne cork and that sort of uh, brass or metal um, jacket which goes over the, the cork to prevent it from popping out. Now, that is something which is very much available, you know, in South Africa because we do have a lot of people making, you know, MCC uh, champagne type wines um do that you know put it in a champagne bottle and and s- stick a cork in it or or if it's a tiny, tiny bottle stick a tiny cork in it there's lots of ways you can make it pretty what about what about a ribbon a what ribbon a, what a picture of a duck uh, you, know, you know stick it in paper just wrap it in paper yeah do do something interesting doesn't yeah. uh, uh foster what's it um phrases folly do they, they wrap do. it in paper they do yeah and 
I mean, there's some wine producers like um, there's there's one Springfield from uh, Robinson. They they wrap their wines in beautiful sort of nice paper with design on it. It's going to cost yeah. pretty much. I mean, okay, wax is probably cheaper. But it, the benefit you gain from it versus the pain that the the drinker has to go through ain't worth. Yeah, it. fuck it, fuck yeah. it. I'm out. I'm out. No yeah. more. No more wax. So that was that's my only negative one. From your yeah. own, it's all positive. I pro- my my I can't pet, promise my pet peeve. No, it, it probably won't because we still have to talk about your band of the year, which is always very negative. Yeah, true. Um, um, my 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 pet beer related peeve of the year is a little thing called supply chain. Oh, okay. And that's, that's pissed me off unbelievably. The fact that I can't get Lagunitas on tap anymore mm. is is highly annoying to me. Yeah. And I think whoever's whoever's running the supply chain bullshit needs to pull their shit together. Indeed. Yeah, no, it's, it's very annoying if you can't get beers. And I mean, Lagunitas is made now by, you know, basically a macro brewer because they've been bought out. So there's no reason why they shouldn't be easily available. Yeah, except for supply chain Supply chain. <laughs> Get your logistics straight, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Fucking what happened to just in time? Fucking inventory management. Good God. Yeah, that's no, a problem. I mean, I know craft beer sometimes has a, tr- has a problem with supply chain just because they they don't produce as much beer. But um, yeah, I can understand a, a small mm. craft or microbrewery having issues, but I can't. I cannot understand fucking Lagunitas having one. Indeed. And in fact, I mean, Soul Barrel is about as tiny a brewery as you get. And I, I now regularly find their beer in the local uh, liquor store, and, and they seem to be getting it right. Yeah, well, exactly. So, fucking, it's just a case of they just can't be bothered to get a keg out to fucking Boss Grain. <laughs> you heard it here first. Get it to Boss Grain. <laughs> just Jesus pass by all the other breweries as long as Matt gets it. Why is it so difficult? Yeah, no, it, it's a problem. So yeah, but uh, like like you experienced today, wax sealed bottles are close second in terms of the uh, beer related peeve of the year. Let's 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 yeah. stop seeing those wax seals, y'all. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in fact, just put yeah. it in a can. You know, cans are so much nicer. Yeah, anyway, with a picture of a duck. Yeah, I don't know why the duck keeps on coming up. We're but, talking uh, about class here. We're talking uh, about making it special. What, are you referring what? to the South African standard sparkling wine for Christmas, cold duck? <laughs> Avenue no, I'm duck. not. I'm related to that <laughs> that special all season animal called the duck. Right, right. No, because I think right now a lot of people's nostalgia buttons were pressed. You know, like if you grew up in South Africa during the 80s or 90s, you know, if if your parents wanted to celebrate New Year or Christmas, they would they would get out the bottle of cold duck. Yeah, get the Fifth Avenue cold duck. <laughs> was, now, now, now it's a party. Now so it's classy. a party. <laughs> now it's a party, guys. Now we're gonna have the cold duck. Thanks, Dad. Mm. Glad this helped fucking pay for my education. Exactly. Yeah, I actually recently uh, read that that is not an African wine. It comes from America or something. Well, huge surprise. Yeah, weird. Huge, huge surprise. <laughs> oh, very strange. Okay, so that was our pet peeve. Let's let's do another since we're still savoring uh, Soul Barrel's wonderful wild ale. Um, and let's move over to a more geeky item. And we're going to start off with... Let's start with a very, one I found very difficult, which was the best movie released in 2021. And I really yeah. found this difficult. In fact, I don't know if, if the movie I'm going to talk about was even released in 21, but I'm going to assume it was. Well, you can't assume that. Well, I, it also, was on the cusp, man. It was like December 20, God, January 21. I think is, that's This fine. fucking isn't astrology. It can't be on the cusp. <laughs> uh, but 21 was not a good year for movies, man. 
I don't think so. I think it was a bit of a shit show. Uh, I think it was much better than 2020. You think? 2021 was a fucking step up. Yeah, definitely. Mm. But at the same time, you're in no position to talk. You haven't left your house since 2019. So, this I mean, you know, things are happening around you, my mm. man. I did go out the other day, and it was so shocking to see humanity in all its glory that uh, I immediately went <laughs> back just in. Went, you just went back home. <laughs> yeah. well, I hold with, yeah. uh, you know, W.C. Fields when he said, I think it was him who said that, um, you know, I love humanity. It's people I can't stand. Yeah, you're a classic misanthrope. Yeah, no, guilty as charged. Well, well, then tell us about the so-called Cuspy movie that you think is the best one released either this year or last yeah, year. Yeah, so I really didn't watch a lot of movies. This is my qualification and caveat. Um, so they're probably, I mean, I know there were better movies out there, but most of them I haven't seen yet. So, I mean, the most obvious one is probably the one you're going to choose, um, which with, I haven't seen yet. Without a doubt. And I am looking forward to seeing it. Because you're a fool. I know. Um, but I'll be seeing it soon. And... Uh, so the one I really enjoyed is a silly movie, um, but it, it just charmed its way into my heart, and it's called Love and Monsters. Um, it's, a, it's a Netflix release. It's, it's a silly premise. Bugs have become mutated and taken over the world. People live in underground bunkers, and it's a love story because this guy is trying to find his girlfriend who he got separated from during the apocalypse. <laughs> And, and he travels across America to yeah, try and find it. with his dog. Yeah. There's a dog in yeah. the movie. Of course there's a dog. Of and course it, there's a dog. It just, I mean, it's, such a, it's, a, it's a movie which shouldn't be as good as it is. It doesn't deserve to be as good as it is. And it is fantastic. It's, there's not a, a moment in that movie I wasn't either frightened, delighted, laughing, or crying. It was a great ride. And, um, good grief, Marcel. I enjoyed it. Do you, do you in this movie want to get married? <laughs> I thought that the lead actor was very, very good. I haven't really seen him very much in other stuff, um, but he was very, very convincing in the role, um, you know, and um, it was, you know, Dylan O'Brien. I mean, he's been in a few other things. I don't think he's he's chosen great movies. I think he was in that American Assassins, which wasn't a good movie. Um, but this one was really, really nice, and it's a lighthearted movie. And I, I think, I guess because of the nature of these last two years, I, I found myself gravitating more towards light-hearted comedy kind of things just to keep my sanity. Um, yeah. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Look, I'm I'm honestly astounded by your choice. I feel physically ill, actually, um, that this is where we've dropped to. That your Netflix Monster of the Week movie is your movie of the year, 2021. Um, and then it, it's paired, I would say it's paired with uh, another one, which was definitely released in 21. Uh, actually, just read Love and Monsters was released in 21. Was oh. Pro uh, Project Power with um, Jamie Foxx. I love that movie. That was a great sci-fi. Oh, man. Like, yeah, it, no, it, yeah okay. It really was. Um, it, it, I mean, actually, the person who stole the show was the child actor in that movie. She was fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm disturbed that we're talking, and this isn't just you, this is now the way the world has gone, is that like the cinema is basically dead. You know, yeah. it's like, if it, if it wasn't released on streaming, then no one saw it. But you no know, one saw it this year, you know, yeah. box office is down the toilet. But you know what? And I think it's, it's not just COVID. It's, it's something else which is happening in movies and that, I mean, it is because of the streaming services, I think. Um, and I, I watched a really nice interview with Matt Damon. And um, he he talked about that. And he said, you know, you, you would never be able to make Goodwill Hunting now because the studios do not want to invest in indie movies which have no prior audience 
and which aren't guaranteed to make instantaneous money. Because, no. you know, you can't make money anymore by cinematic release as much as you used to. So you can't rely no. on... There's no more video. So you can't you can't rely on... That's actually the big thing. The death of video has really hit the movie industry because they used to be able no. to make up their money with a couple of years worth of video release. Now it's all no. simultaneous release on streaming service and cinema. So there's a good chance people are not going to go to cinema. And the, the streaming services obviously do not give you the same amount of money as video you know, rentals around the world would have given you. Yeah, but there's, there's, an, there's an alternate point to this as well, which is the, the how television, and by TV I mean the, the format, not the platform, how TV has adjusted to streaming in terms of its, the way it formats itself and the stories it tells, um, that's, that movies haven't. You know, mm. movies are either giant big blockbusters that have to be released at cinema to get their money back, um, or are, like you say, you know, Love and Monsters or, you know, relatively low budget, but easy digestion, simple to consume, that kind of thing. TV has thrived in, in the streaming situation. You know, we, we're, we're in a situation where we've got probably the best TV of our lives happening across. I mean, if you can watch them all because it's on like seven different streaming services. Um, but the actual quality of television has just gone through the roof. Um, I mean, that's one of our questions later on. But mm. so, so movies aren't keeping up. You, you don't, like you say, you don't, you don't get a Goodwill Hunting, and probably couldn't get a Goodwill Hunting because it doesn't have a home. Yeah, there's nowhere for it to go. I mean, the last couple um, of years have definitely been the years of television more than movies. You know, you get your entertainment mostly from television series and so on. And uh, look, I mean, there's always there's always changes happening. I think people have reacted against what they're seeing as a sort of a slightly a dearth of good cinema, and um, studios are. Again, like always, have to relearn things they already knew when Pulp Fiction came out, when they said that wouldn't work. Um, yeah. And so, but I think there's, there's a, I just see a more of a timidity among studio executives now in terms of what they're willing to release. You know, it's almost like if, if this thing doesn't have a, you know, multi series graphic novel, a television yeah. series behind it, or a, a massive, you know, internet following, then just not going to release it. They just want a yeah. safe bet. And that's also why we see but, all these remakes of stuff we've already seen. Exactly. But, I mean, that Marvel's broken it for everyone. Marvel absolutely ruined it. Yeah, fuck because Marvel. Because if, if a movie doesn't cost $120 million to make and, and make $800 million, mm. then it's a failure. Um, there's no such thing anymore of the movie that's made for $40 million and makes $50 million. Yeah, I've, I've really that, lost my that's just patience with Marvel movies. I don't watch them anymore. I've, I'm actually boycotting them. I don't give a shit what they make next. I'm not seeing it. Yeah, they're good for what they are, but they're also not the be-all and end-all. They're not what cinema was necessarily made for. But mm. at the moment, you know, that's all that people are looking to. Yeah, um, they're just too formulaic for me. I just, yeah. you know, I don't care enough for the property itself to want to watch it for that. And the plot lines and movie tropes involved are things I've seen back in the 80s when I was 12 years old, and I don't want to revisit it. Yeah. Yeah, although I still watch the shit out of anything that comes out from Taika Waititi. So when he's doing another Thor, I'll absolutely watch that. But that's that's about it. Mm. I'll reserve my opinion. <laughs> that's fine. You can. My movie of the year. My movie of the year. Here's a surprise, folks. Hang on to your shit. Huge, huge surprise. Blow everyone away here. Uh, was, without a doubt, Dune. It, or Dune Part 1, as the preferred nomenclature. Mm. Um an astounding cinematic work. Absolutely astounding. Yes. Yeah. 
It was. It met all my as a as a long time, and by long time I mean thirty forty years. Dune fan. Oh yeah. Um, read the books mm. hundreds of times. I was, as anyone was, very very concerned about what would happen on the big screen. Absolutely. Um, but from what we've seen in part one, it is an astounding translation. It's an astounding adaptation, and um, yeah, I'm. I was blown away, mm. and I cannot wait for part two. Look, I, I'm sure if I had watched it, it would be my best movie of the year. I just, uh, for reasons Matt's already delineated, I haven't seen it. Uh, your rampant misanthropy. Yes, yes, it's that. Okay, good one. Should we do? Should we do one more? Let's do one more, and then we're on to a new beer, I think. Yes. Um, so let's go to another beer-related one, and um, I don't know if these are equal. I mean, people can tell me after they've listened to it. I can't count, so I suspect not. No. But mm. uh, let's go for a big one, uh, for us anyway, Matt, because we are so opinionated about this topic. And that is, what is the best beer label of 2021 which you've seen um, on a beer you've consumed or maybe just seen in the liquor store. It doesn't matter if you haven't necessarily consumed it. We're just looking at the label itself, the design element. I'll jump right in here and I'm going to go with uh, a brewery that I only found towards the end of the year, um, the last kind of month or so. Um, But I love all of their labels. I've only tasted one of their beers, but I've looked at all their labels. I suspect we've got overlap beer. Oh, really? Mm, But they're gone. It's Kennel Breweries. It's... uh, uh, I absolutely adore their labeling. Mm. It's not overlap, but I agree with you 100%. Um, I've got a bit of a gallery of beer containers here in my studio for design purposes, and uh, they, they've got a few of, of their beer designs here. I also I love the, the, the names. I love the names. It's all references to uh, like Nirvana songs. It's just... Oh, it's so nerdy. It's mm. so nerdy. Well, that's it more recent. Me. I mean, uh, they also like the sort of punny thing. So they've got a yeah. They had a, a wheat, hazy wheat ale called Hazy. Yes. And then there's like a nice picture of a hay bale um, on the on the label um, and stuff like that. So it's it's very very cute. Uh, yeah. Um. I, and and yeah. Besides the the punning, I mm. think the labels are beautifully designed. I like any them. specific like very, label. Um, the, the, the Love Buzz one is super cool. Okay. Super, super, super cool. It's probably my favorite of the ones I've got yeah. in the fridge at the moment. I think actually that's a beer we're going to be uh, consuming today in the show. So, well, say no more. Say we'll no come more. back to that. Yeah. So my, my best one is probably the other brewery known in South Africa for absolutely gorgeous labels. And the brewery is Richmond Hill Brewing Company from Port Elizabeth, um, run by Neil... Uh, Cook, um, who's the head brewer, master brewer there, and the the best label I saw this year came from them, and it was for a chamomile saison called November's Child, and it's such a beautiful, beautiful label. It's a, I don't know, I mean, it's a piece of art, you know. It's a sort of a fox called um, sleeping with a rabbit, and it's it it sort of evokes memories of Alice in Wonderland, you know, sort of stuff, and. But each of the labels are very different, but they all have one thing in common, and that is that they are excellent. They are beautiful, beautiful yeah. works of art. Yeah, yeah. They're also they're you know quite they're simple. You know mm. they're they're not they've got you know quite nice designs, but they're not over designed. They're not um, there's a they're um, they've got a pumpkin parlor which I think is a seasonal. 
Yeah. Um, and it's got this just a field of pumpkins through the back and then really well-designed text over the top of it, you know, just a bit mm. more. Um, it's it's really, really great design. Yeah. I, I mean, what I like about well, Richmond Hill is they, they kind of forsake brand kind of consistently for supporting, I think, local art. They, they they support local artists to do these labels and feature their work almost as a a piece of art, you know, on a on a can yeah. or a bottle. Mostly yeah. cans. They actually also pioneered canning um, as as a predominant seal and uh, you know predominant packaging solution. Yeah, I see. They've got a gin that has that's dipped in wax. No. Well, Richmond Hill, there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> but, uh, but maybe, you know, sealing big liquor bottles with wax might make more sense because they are larger and much easier to open. And also, you open them once and then you keep on enjoying yeah. them for months, right? Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, depending on exactly. your alcoholic consumption. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Richmond Hill, um, November yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Mm. I absolutely agree with that. But, yeah, I, I also agree with yours. Kennel also makes really beautiful uh, labels. And, and they set the standard. You know, if you're a brewer, um, a craft brewer in this country, and you're not at least trying something with your labels on par with that, I'm, I, I fear for you. Yeah, yeah. Try harder. Yeah, try harder. Do better. Okay, so are we almost done with this uh, ale, mate? I know it's in a yeah. way not necessarily the best intro beer because it does require savoring. But hey, we've never <laughs> let those sort of things stand in our way. No, no, and we've taken. I've taken my time mm. over it, and I'm finishing it now. Yeah. Um. So I and it was nice. It was a good beer. Mm. By the way, I mean, if you <sighs> are going to have this beer, good idea not to reuse the glass for anything else because that sourness yeah. and the Britannomyces and and that sort of flavors will will definitely uh, change whatever you put in there. And even yeah. if you, I don't even like rinsing it and reusing it. I just. I just don't use that glass again for something else until I've washed it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, should we move on to our, our f- next beer of the day? Let's do that. And I, I think we should perhaps uh, add something to our IPA leaderboard. What do you think, man? Yes, I'm into that. For our next beer is something we're going to add to our IPA leaderboard. So uh, for those of you just tuning in, that's a persistent IPA leaderboard we maintain on the beginnerbrewer.com website. So you can go check it out. And we're trying to basically drink all IPAs. It shouldn't take in us too world. long. In the world. I mean, in the world, ever. I think we'll be done by next Tuesday. Um, um, you know, at the rate we're going. Yeah. Uh, so we've, uh, you know, so far, just to, let's let's just recap the top five, okay? Just for everyone's sake. At number one, still holding strong, is the White IPA by Laguanitas Brewery called A Little Something Something. Still undefeated. Second is Jack Black's Skeleton Coast IPA. Third is Ruination by Stone Breweries, which is their Imperial IPA. And then there is no fifth spot because there's a tied fourth spot between Laguanitas IPA by Laguanitas and Cape Cone IPA by Soul Barrel Brewing Company. Mm, mm, mm. Hot shot, upstart contender. Right. Now we've got a, a beer from a little town. Uh, it sounds like some other intro. I don't know. Little, little, <laughs> little town in Texas. No. Little time called Jack and Diane. <laughs> so this is uh, Anvil Breweries from Dulstrom, um, up there in Humpumalanga, I think. And uh, they, they're sort of a stalwart of South African craft brewing. They've been around for a long, long time. They were one of the very first sort of small, picturesque town breweries, brew pubs. Um, we really got it right. And uh, 
I mean, recently their master brewer and founder was uh, has retired, and he was really um, Theo was was a fantastic guy in beer. If you've ever met him, you know what I'm talking about. He was also incredibly incredibly meticulous in his brewing. One of the very first brewers who started using um, White Labs uh, liquid yeast in his brewing, um, which really you could tell the difference. Um, and so this is the first time I've sort of really returned there after his retirement to Anvil. And we're having the Mjolnir. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Mjolnir? Mjolnir. 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 That one. Oh, uh, come on. Your, you know, your Scandinavian ancestors are fucking I know. so upset with you and right I probably now. have some. It's very sad. Um, Moilier, yeah. Tak. Okay, IPA. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's uh, it's West Coast style IPA, although I would argue that it's not. I, I've, uh, we'll see now why I say that. Um, you know, again, you know, with the IPA leaderboard, we're mostly interested in taste, but if there are ties, we go down to design. But, of course, being us, we can't help but comment on design. And, I mean, I think the best you can say for these is it's a simple... Mm. Down to earth design. Um, mm. It's the sort of design you're going to put on a label if you're mostly a brew pub and you're not really that interested in distributing your beer very wild, wide, widely. Mm. And in fact, I don't know if you can get Anvil outside of Dolstrom um, or the or the sort of surrounding areas. Maybe. Um, I, I've I've certainly haven't seen them locally here in Johannesburg. I I haven't seen them in Joburg. Yeah. Um, I I've I have had it once before. Um, but not from a outlet, you know. Mm. But nonetheless, I'm really interested in having it. Um, we don't often get small town beers coming our way. And I'm very excited to taste it. Mm. I, I will say on the brand, at first I didn't like it, um, but it's kind of grown in me, and I think it, its simplicity is its strength. You know, I think it um, it's kind of no nonsense, no frills. It's an IPA. Drink this. Mm. Um, there's not a lot of geek stuff on there, but I no. probably don't mind for what I for what my expectations are. Yeah, so so yeah. Um, yeah, I think also I would, beers would, like this are difficult to judge sometimes because they come with a prepackaged experience. Like if you have this, you're always thinking back at the time you were sitting at Anvil Breweries in Dahlstrom. Yeah, probably yeah, exactly. a misty, cloudy day, drinking something, you know, while having a really good meal. So. Um, it's difficult to separate that out from from opening a bottle here in in Johannesburg, which actually today is a very Dolstrom kind of weather day for us. This this if this isn't Dolstrom, I don't know what is. Mm. So Matt, what do you think when you pour it in? What do you what do you see here in your? I'm I'm pouring mine into another special piece of uh, stemware. It's not technically stemware, I guess, because it has no stem, but it's a shaker style pint glass from the Rev James brewery in england okay very cool glass that that sounds very nice mm. that sounds very nice um i have my christmas 2020 uh ipa glass nice bought by my wife she is a lovely just lady for the purpose she uh, feeds my habit like a drug pusher right away i mean this is pretty crystal so it's clear a it's a lovely pour crystal lovely clear pour, also gold nice. dark gold yeah, to light gold. amber yes i would say there's a nice dense head on it. Mm, very nice. Um, nice head retention. A little bit of lacing. Yeah, well uh, well carbonated. It's mm -hmm. a lovely color, actually. It's actually a beautiful color. There's almost a little bit of a multi kind of under, uh, undertone to it as well. Yeah, so definitely a little, some, a little bit darker. some crystal malts, no doubt. Caramel malts, maybe a bit of Munich malt in here. 
uh, or something like that to get that color in. Again, getting a bit of maltiness, a little bit of grapefruit, um, a bit of bitterness. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely getting some grapefruit. I'm getting some papaya, um, you know, sort of more tropical uh, fruit like that, uh, you know, maybe passion fruit. So it speaks to probably the use of uh, some of these southern um, hops, southern African hops, because they are known for those flavors. Yeah, it, it, there's a there's a dryness to it. There's a promise of bitterness. Um, mm. Mm, it's uh, enticing. Yeah. So let's let's take a sip and see what we can find. It certainly mm. lingers. I mean, it's it's much more mm. malt forward than you might imagine mm. um, from an IPA generally. That's why. I, I don't quite see this as a West Coast style. It's more of an no. in English IPA style for me. You know, yeah. A classic English yeah, the, IPA. I agree with you completely. Mm. I agree with you. This is... I mean, your West Coast IPAs for me are just a little bit brighter, a little bit more uh, hop forward, not as malt complex. Um, you know, so... But, I mean, that aside, I mean, it's still obviously an IPA. This is not a faux PA. This is a lovely, lovely, lovely beer. Um yeah, I, yeah, it's it's nice. It's uh, it is it is very bitter. There's mm. a there's a lot of kind of front and back bitter. Um, there's a maltiness, a caramelness. It's not as grapefruity as I thought it was going to be. It's not mm. as yeah. It's mostly um, in the aroma, the grapefruit. Yeah, there's not a lot of punch. Uh, I, I hesitate to say I, I, it's not as complex as I thought it would be. I'm not. You know, the, the, there isn't a lot of requirement for balance. You know, there's not a mm. lot of flavors playing around in there. Um, it's 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 a it's competent. It's very good. Oh yes, I mean, they're, they're, it's competently made. There's no obvious flaws. You know, it's it's well constructed. There's a certain amount of balance here between the malt and the hops. Um, I think in general, it's <sighs> for me. If I had to dock it a few points, it's maybe a little bit too malty for me. That's and, I was going to say exactly the same thing, and I think it's the just a little is too a bit multi. one note for me. Yes, hundred percent agree. I, I would just like something bright in there, you know, and the malt drags it down. Um, I would just want some clarity in there, some fruitiness, some, mm. and there's not there's not very much in there. Yeah, I mean the, the aroma is almost a taste I would like to add in this beer. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does come off as quite heavy. It, quite, it 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 sits around for quite a while because there's nothing, you know, cleaning any of that multi flavor out. Yeah, yeah. I think so it, it sits very, it lingers. Very it's it's actually one of the very first impressions you get um, is it kind of lingers. Yeah, this is this is definitely more on the. I mean, it, it's not a double a IPA, but it kind of hangs around like a double IPA. That's nice. I, I must say, I, I do very much like the head. There's like a lovely nitrogen type head, um, beautiful white, and the color is still very beautiful and remarkable. But um, mm. oh, um, it's it's a bit of a sandwich, you know. Yeah, and it is a little bit difficult for me to uh, put this anywhere. I'm I, I've got a score in mind. I'm and I'm getting to very fractional type of scores to differentiate. It's from other beers we've got on our list. But that's fine. Yeah. You can you can pick any fraction you like, man. Can I choose We are not nine. discriminating against any integers in this show. As the fraction. What? Point <laughs> Can I choose nine as my fraction? Or is that not a fraction? I can never tell. I felt maths. I never oh, went to school. God, we're getting back to your lack of book reading again, aren't we? 
<laughs> Goddamn books yeah. and so, you're learning. So after taste, it does linger. I mean, you have a, a sense of bitterness in your mouth, like you've just been no. uh, sucking on a grapefruit maybe or having some pith. Um, but but without that little bit of delicate sweetness mm. that would actually make that pleasant, mm. you know. It's very full body. Um, so in body terms, no. it's very full body. It's not a light or dry finishing beer. It's 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 not even a middle, uh, a medium body beer. I would say this is a full no. body beer. So it means that they're probably mashing. Uh, the mash temperatures are probably pretty high, um, which which could produces more body in your beer. So no. there's just more residual sugars in the in the beer. Look, maybe maybe that's what they're going for. I mean, the the oh, branding yeah. and the name all goes for it. Is that maybe this is supposed to be a heavy beer? It's uh, you know the hammer of Thor for God's sake. You know this is supposed to be mm. uh, in your in your face. Maybe yeah. there isn't supposed to be subtlety and and if I mean and all indications are that's what they're doing. Then they have succeeded. Mm. Um, it's just not. Um, as pleasant as I feel it could be, you know. Mm. If so, you know a little bit of yeah, it's not sessionable. I mean, like not that it has to be, but this is a mm. one beer thing for me. Like after a while, it starts building up too much. So I'm yeah, really, for, and you I'm do, really with the rating. I don't know about you, man. Yeah, I am. I'm. I'm a, my my palate's already fatigued. I've actually stopped being able to taste a lot of the hops in this. Mm. Um, yeah, I've got a rating. I'm gonna give it a six point seven five. What? We're going to those kind of fractions? So, so I said, oh, damn it. Six point seven five, I think, is a, a good rating for me. Um, I'm going to not go to the point two five. So I'm going to stick to our point five system that we have been using very successfully for hundreds of years. Um, <laughs> no, what you trying to say? I'm going <laughs> to give it a six point five. I would have no problem having one of these. Mm. You know, I, I, it's not a bad beer at all, and I'd be happy to add it to my arsenal of IPAs. And especially some, you know, every now and again, you do actually want. Your, you know, it's your last beer on a Friday night. You're sitting outside. It's almost bedtime. You want that last beer to be a, a strong beer and then finish mm. you off, you know? And, mm. and I would be happy to drink this as that beer. Yeah. Um, I just can't really have a lot of it, and it will make all beers after it impossible. Yeah, so I'm not going to finish all of it. I mean, in fact, uh, Anvil is one of the few – and I, I'm going to give them props for this. They they holding out on on theme 440 or you know, theme 440 for life. No, true. It is. A, I actually forgot it's a 440. Yeah. Yeah. And as as regular listeners know, I'm I'm kind of a fan of that uh, format of bottling. Um, although I've recently conceded that you know three 340 is fine and we'll we'll do as uh, well. We'll we'll live with it. Indeed. But uh, yeah, but I'm not going to necessarily finish all of it. Otherwise, uh, the rest of the beers are going to taste like water. I um, mean, I think yeah, that's maybe be... the problem. It's it's just a little bit unbalanced. It's just a little too much. Yeah, I, I just wish there was a bit more of a tropical grapefruit flavor, you know, yeah. as opposed to just being able to smell it. And I think that would do wonders for mellowing out the beer and making it a little bit more mm. uh, drinkable. Mm. That puts it sort of in the lower center of our leaderboard, um, a little bit higher than beers like Thunderbird IPA from Darling and Tomahawk from Agers, but certainly in that territory. It's funny, yeah. This this reminds me a lot of the Tomahawk from Agers. You know, um, mm. it is it is a very in your face kind of bitterness. Um, I think I probably prefer the Tomahawk because it's not as malty, um, right. and this. The, and and this is a little bit darker, so I would put this just below the tomahawk if if we were you know being qualitative about it. Mm, mm. But it's it's definitely in that region, and it's also partly mm. because I'm using weird fractions. 
Stupid fractions. You've ruined everything, Marcel. <laughs> yes, that was my goal for this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's all my fault. It is um, your fault. It is your fault. Cool. Okay. Um, should we Andrew. have a, a, a question or two before yeah. we go on to our next beer? Let's do that. So I would like to know mm. two entertainment questions. We were talking about TV. Yes. We let's, do, let's do three TV questions. All right. The first one. Mm. Is the best old TV series that you rewatched this year? Right. So that's a to qualify. I mean, the way I interpreted that was a series no longer in production. Yes. Maybe. Correct. Well, one of mine's still running in a way, but Jesus, I mean, it's been running forever. So I feel like I can include oh. that. Is it Bold and the Beautiful? No. no. It's something similar, I guess. But um, okay. yeah, so the best old so, TV series so you watch. I've got best, two. Yeah, no, no, no longer in production. I only have one because mm. um, I know it's it's without doubt the best old TV series, mm. and it's the only one I watched the entirety of this year. Right. Um, and that's Community. Right, Community. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, it's a phenomenal one. Community is is more and more the benchmark for those kind of single camera mm. sitcoms. Um, and I mean, we all know Dan Harmon, the curator of it has gone on to kind of huge acclaim with Rick and Morty and things like that. And, um, but community still like kind of captured the magic of friends, but for a more nihilistic millennial generation. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I love the, the various in jokes and homages to various other movies and hugely thematic and mm. referential and, you know, that's very much internet culture. It's very much internet meme culture yeah. to, to do those kind of – so it kind of – it almost predated meme culture a little bit. And, yeah, and fan service, you know, in a, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, the reference is the joke. Um, yeah, commu- I, I, I can't say enough good things about community. Um, it's, on, it's, it's on Netflix. The whole run is on Netflix. Mm. And I, I have to say, if you are a TV watcher and you like good television and you haven't watched community – then you are really missing out, and it's it's mm. a it's a shame. Um, it got cancelled before its time, maybe maybe only shortly before its time. It probably needed another season or two. Mm. Um, but um, but it, it it never truly found its audience at the time. But uh, I think it's found it in streaming. Yeah, wonderful pick there, man. Yeah, nice one. And uh, and I think an absolutely great TV uh, series to watch during tough times when you need a little bit of uh, lifting of spirits. Yeah. You know. Yeah, just just tales of friendship said in the most absurd way possible. Yeah, you know? no, I love that. Cool, good one. So mine is, okay. um, I'll start with the one which definitely is no longer in production. And uh, speaking of single camera sitcom, uh, I don't think you get more definitional than this one. And that is Seinfeld. I've been rewatching uh, yeah. uh, Seinfeld this yeah. year. Um, also recently on Netflix. Yeah, I've actually been watching them in reverse order, which was pretty cool. Uh, That's weird. Yeah, but it somehow works That's actually. Weird. That's weird. That's weird. I don't think – is that allowed? Do they allow you to do that? I don't that? know. But I started with season nine. I'm now at season five or four, actually, season four. It's kind of cool. I, I, I never thought it would work, but somehow it does. Holy shit. You're a weird guy. Also, myself. Seinfeld's not really a show about anything, right? So there's not a big plot line going well, through anything. It's, no, sure. There's no overarching themes. I mean, besides. if anything, the only overarching theme is George's – relationships and his marriage to to this to his wife that's about the only yeah, sure, through sure. but i mean none of those really matter you know there there no the Seinfeld is the ultimate um series or show where there are no stakes mm. 
You know, there, there's no – you have no investment in whether or not anything really happens. Yeah. I mean, the nice the thing about – The entire story – yeah. No, I mean, the nice thing about rewatching these old shows is you start seeing new things. And, and I mean, I've watched Seinfeld a few times now. And the one thing which struck me this time around was how much the actors are clearly enjoying themselves on screen. Yeah, they're obviously having a complete tour. I mean, some of it plays very much to the time it was created in and, and kind of falls flat a little bit and plays a little bit weird to the modern mm. eye and ear. But mostly, mm. I think it still holds up. I think it holds up great. I think it really, really does. Yeah. Uh, but but it's it's that timelessness that's informed by the fact that it's not really about anything. It's just mm. about relationships and um, how people talk to each other, and that's yeah. where the humor comes from. You know, it, it doesn't really deal with any any greater stakes than you know which baseball team George works for. Mm. You know, that's mm. that's as big as the popular culture gets. Yeah, yeah. And, and what you know, bizarre little thing will annoy Jerry enough to break up with his latest girlfriend, you know? Exactly. Um, exactly. Which is a tale as old as time. Yeah, but so good. So well executed. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, you you see so you had another one? Well, I mean, tied with that would be Law and Order. I mean, I've been rewatching Law and Order, um, starting from season one actually. Um and um my favorite so far is season seven, which was released in nineteen ninety six to ninety seven. Good God. Um and I was still a fetus. I was a, I was a child. But it was interesting because Law and Order season seven is pretty amazing because that's really where Law and Order enters the realm of modern television, where they start becoming very cinematic. There's lots of crossovers with homicide life on the street at the time. There's multi-episode, you know, multi-sort of episode episodes, if you like. Um, what do you call those? I don't know. Sequel episodes. Multi-episode episodes. Yeah. And, you know, to be continued, you know, and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jerry Orbach is in his prime as as Lenny. Um, that's why, I mean, when Jerry Orbach died and was no longer on order, that's kind of when I stopped becoming interested in the show. Jerry Orbach never died. <laughs> he never died. He never did. And uh, He just retired to Florida. Yeah. Um, what a great actor. And, and I mean, and also the, the lineup of actors in season seven is incredible. It's a yeah, who's who. They really who. pulled out the stop set, you know. Julia Roberts is in one. Okay, Julia Roberts is in Law and Order. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it had a lot of clout. Eh? Yeah, amazing. Clout. Everyone it wanted was, to be it on it. It was in the public consciousness at the time, mm. absolutely. Um, very, very briefly, mm. because we have gone over these kind of things before, mm. um, best ongoing series. So this is a series that's currently still in production, still being broadcast, yeah. hasn't stopped, but isn't new. This was also a tie for me. I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to give you some clean cuts here. No, no, no. Just give me, give me the list. Let's, okay. let's I've only got it. two. I've got two. I, I don't want to. There's lots of good TV out there at the moment, so it's difficult to choose only one. So I decided to choose two, and they're from different kind of genres. So I feel that that's okay. Okay. So from a more dramatic genre, I really enjoyed season seven of Bosch. Which is on Amazon really? Prime. Bosh. I, re, that show Bosh. really got under my skin, man. Not really on anyone's best of list, yeah, eh? but it's police procedural, man. And you know I no, feel no. Like it. Jeez, that just ticks the boxes for you. Look, I'm a fan of of um, Michael Connolly's novel series, which this is obviously based on. Um, I, I've read all those novels. I really like his his style of writing. And um, although Bosch okay. is not very close to the novel series, but Connolly is part of the production team, so he's. Kind of created an alternate universe for a different kind of Detective Bosch. It's just such a the, good show. The The irony is that Michael Connolly actually has enough money to literally pay to create an alternate universe. 
look, he's been very successful. You know, kudos to the man. Um, I mean, he could implement all the server farms in the entire world into creating a simulation of an entire alternate universe, put us mm-hmm. all in it, and still have money left over for cocaine. Titus Welliver, sorry. Titus Welliver is the actor's name. I like him. He's He didn't immediately strike me as a good um, casting for Detective Bosch as I knew him from the novels, but he's he's also worked his way under my skin. It is a very satisfying show. I mean, it it's got good crime cases. It's got great relationship issues between the characters. Great show. Bosch, go, go watch it, man. No. What's your next one? No. Is that all you're going to say? <laughs> you cut me deep, man. You cut me deep. Uh, no, not deep enough. Clearly. And then uh, my other one, which really is a show which, which is delightful. It is wonderful comedy. Kim's no. Convenience, season five. No. I no. Love Are you show. serious? I love Are you serious? Show. Oh, my soul. It oh, is a beautiful, soul. beautiful show. It's, oh, man. Oh, I love Kim's no. Convenience. Why don't you like it, man? It's so saccharine. It is just, mm. it's twee. It's not it's, that twee. It, it hits oh, hard sometimes, man. It deals twee, with some hard no, issues. God. Oh, come on. And who doesn't like upper? Oh. Upper style. No. 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 No, no, no. I'm sorry. Totally vetoing that. No. That's not going on any list anyway. Don't listen to Matt. He's jaded and tired of the world. Kim's okay. Convenient. Let's see. Season five. I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I've got five for my best ongoing series. I'm not going to go into such explicit detail as you do. Sure. Best ongoing series, Doom Patrol, which is the best superhero series that no one knows about and no one watches. I have never Could, never heard about it. Well, exactly. So, fuck you, Marcel. <laughs> Curb Your Enthusiasm, which has been going for, I think, close on 60 or 70 years now. Is that still now. going? Absolutely. I Dude, like that season, gone. No, man, season 15 is on its way, bro. And still this with Larry David. It's still with Larry David. He's unstoppable. That I, man is a machine. I am. I, you know, that is a series I've always wanted to watch and never got around to. It's it's astounding. It's astounding, uh, dude. Th- this series goes fo- so far back that I think I have the first two seasons on videotape, mm. and then I've got like four seasons on DVD, and then like three seasons on Blu-ray. Like that's how far back it goes. Like okay. I was still purchasing media. No, I mean you know? that's a solid pick. I, I'm surprised it's still going. So the next one, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, which I think is also around season mm. ten or eleven. But I want to just, re- um, I just want to rewind you a little bit here, man. I mean, Doom Patrol, just give us a little bit of a, a pricey because I really don't know. I'm looking at it right now on IMDb. So, yeah, so Doom Patrol is based on a, I think it's Grant Morrison, who's the weirdest, most insane writer that's ever written comics ever, um, and it's basically a, a group of misfits whose superpowers are not immediately obvious. For example, a, a circus strongman who, when he flexes his muscles, can give people orgasms. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sold. I want to watch this. Dude, it's incredible. It's a, there's, a, there's a sentient bisexual street, like with, with roads and walls and shit. I see Timothy like, Dalton is, is in this. Timothy Dalton is the leader of the fucking Doom and Patrol. And Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser plays, I think, Robot Man. He's like this. And Alan he, he Tudyk. Ra- I love Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk in the first season is the big bad. Wow. He's, 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 he's marvelous. And he breaks the fourth wall. He knows that you're watching 
a program called Doom Patrol. Now, if there's one and thing so I do love, like, it's when the fourth wall is broken in the TV show. Dude, go watch Doom Patrol. Not enough people do, and this shit's going to get cancelled, and it pisses me off. So where can one find this uh, esoteric Doom, show? Doom, Doom Patrol is actually, locally it's on DSTV, but I think internationally it might be on HBO Max, mm. I think. That's, that's fast becoming one of those show, uh, TV channels I have to subscribe to, because everything good H- is on it. HBO Max is, like, fucking kicking it now, mm. like... It looks fantastic. I mean, Jackie um, Goldston is one of my crushes of I'm, long ago. I'm astounded that you have not watched it. I don't it's know the most about bizarre, it. bullshit, crazy thing. Well, now you do. Now you wow, do. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, cool. Good um, one. Okay, so so then there's all, The Expanse, which I think its final season yeah. is going out very, very soon, uh, which is the best sci-fi on television. Um, and, but then my actual pick for best ongoing series, which is now season three has just gone out, hmm. Is Succession, which is right a a proper proper black comedy like you will not see anywhere else. It mm. is just it's loathsome characters that are impossible to identify with that you cannot look away. It's like a car crash in slow motion. Mm. It's beautiful, brilliant, amazingly filmed, amazingly acted. Brian Cox, mm. are you kidding? Me? I love Brian. Are you Cox. kidding me? Brian Cox, mm. he just chews the screen up. He just destroys. Every scene that he's in, mm. it's it's a it's a marvel to watch. Yeah, I mean, would you say fantastic. it's a bit like like Shameless or, or in that sense, like it's a sh- unlikable sh- character <sighs> comedy? Yeah, except Shameless is unlikable characters that you actually end up liking because it's tongue in cheek and right. and they tr- and they try hard. Succession is a group of people who have never wanted for anything, who have got zero idea of their own privilege, who ruin the lives of people around them as collateral damage for their own greed. Mm. This sounds and, a little too close to the real world to me, man. Um, it probably is, but the point is, we never get to see these things because it's right. happening in boardrooms and in you Fam- know Elon family Musk's dining halls. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, William Randolph Hearst Castle. This is where shit like that goes down. Right. But um, so you don't get to see it, and the the sh- the sheer absurdity of the situations that these people with infinite money put themselves in is a pleasure to watch mm, and it's mm. a pleasure to watch them fail time and time again. And it's, it's brilliant and beautiful and incredible. And I'm in, I'm in love with succession. It's on my watch list because of mostly because of Cox. Uh, I just love anything he's in. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, and really he's found his home here. Mm. There's, he, he has never had a better role. Nice one. Okay. Good one. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's do our last question for our next beer. And let's, so let's do it quickly. Mm, another TV one. Uh, best TV series released this year. Mm. Another difficult okay. category, a little bit for me, because yeah, it no, seems like tough. a lot of there were more uh, TV series released last year than this year. I think maybe, maybe yeah. there were some good ones this year. I'll mm. go first. I've got one really, um, really good one, which I was I watched it accidentally, literally accidentally. Oh, I really? Clicked on the oh, wrong really? thing, and I and started watching like, and, and it was like a background thing while I was working, and then it drew me in, drew me in, and I just had to stop working and watch this thing, and I watched the whole season basically in one binge session. Okay, why don't you tell us what it is? It is a Netflix original, I think, called The Defeated. And it is an incredible TV series. I haven't even heard of that. Um, it's it, it's both in English and German. So it's a joint American-German production. It's got Taylor Kitsch as the main protagonist, who I haven't seen in a lot, but he's really impressive in this. Really impressive. Is this Taylor Kitsch? Mm. Michael C. Hall? Are you kidding me? No, t- Taylor Kitsch. Holy shit. Friday Night Lights. Yes, he's Friday uh, Night Lights. John, yeah. John Carter of Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's yeah, actually the chap me. who's American assassin, not the other guy I thought was. 
Uh, well, either way, Taylor yeah. Kitsch is my dream boat. And He's I'm a pretty sure f- fantabulously I, handsome man. <laughs> I have a signed contract from my wife yeah. that I can have sex with Taylor Kitsch at uh, any point boss, in time. For sure. Any, anytime, anywhere I want to. Yeah. Um, obviously, so, with consent from Taylor Kitsch. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Sewell's in it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's he's a bit yeah. of a loathsome character in the story, um, and does it well. Uh, Nina Hoss, who's a very famous German actress, who's fantastic in it. Um, Logan Marshall, um, who is Taylor Kitsch's brother, wow. is is also very good in it. And um, I, you know, there's like zero write up about this on Wikipedia. Like they don't even. They're like, it's this a is criminal a offense. television show. It's this a is a show offense. where people act in. And that's all it says. It's like, it oh, is okay, such cool, it's such a, a shame, really, that uh, oh. this hasn't been more. I mean, maybe because it's slightly more for the German market, but um, and some of it is in subtitle, but not all of it. But it is Holy magnificent, shit. and it's really set in in 1945 Berlin after the the close of the Second World War. And the main the main premise of the story is Taylor Kitsch is a hard bitten New York cop who gets sent to Berlin to restart the police services oh, of that city. Of course he does. Of course he does. Who else are you going to ask except yeah. Taylor Kitsch? But it's really cool so, because it mixes so, so the, the history of that place. It mixes the eventual Cold War because there's lots of antagonism between the Russians the Germ- and the Germans and the British and the Americans and the French who eventually end up controlling Berlin in a joint fashion. I, I have two questions about mm. the show. Okay, Number one is Tuppence Middleton the most astonishingly bad name you've ever heard in your life. And number two, is there any full frontal male nudity from Taylor Kitsch? <laughs> um, I would say yes to the first one and I guess no to the second. Oh, but, that um, was the one I needed you to answer yes to, man. But uh, it's a beautiful, beautifully made show. It, the production values are stunning. I mean, it, they, I, don't I don't know where they shoot this How does this have more thing? play? Where is this, why watch isn't this it. a thing? My best TV series of this year... Uh, Squid Game because it was great and everyone was talking about it. Uh, WandaVision because it was great and everyone was talking about mm-hmm. that. Uh, Mirror of Easttown because, uh, you know, it's the most beautiful woman in the entire world doing incredibly beautiful things. I don't um, know anything about the show. So, Kate Winslet is a detective, a down on her luck, kind of family broken. Um, her great, her past is behind her, her you know, her, her prime is behind her. And it's a murder mystery. Mm. And it's acted and filmed the shit out of it. It's just incredibly, incredibly wonderful. I think it, I think it like got like, I don't know how many Emmys it got nominated for, but it was like a billion. Okay. I, think it had a, I, think it got, I think it was literally nominated for a billion Emmys. A billion. So, a billion Emmys, yeah. My actual best TV series released this year was Animated. It was the most violent thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and I've seen a lot of violent shit. Um, it was Invincible. Right. Um, it's on Netflix. It's, uh, yeah, like I say, it's an animated show. It was done by Robert Kirkman, who I think did The Walking Dead. Mm, he did. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very good. It's like, what happens if your dad is the greatest superhero Oh, I saw the trailer the for that, yeah. And you are just learning what that means hmm. you know, and what it means to be a superhero. Um, yeah, great voice cast. J.K. Simmons, Sandra Oh, Andrew Reynolds. Um, just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant casting, incredible animation. And like I say, just unbelievably violent. Wow. Just 
ludicrously, ludicrously violent. And I guess you can get away with that in, in, in sort of animated. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, go just check out the, the, the voice cast. You mm. know, Michael Dorn from uh, from Star Trek. Yeah, Michael Ezra Dorn. Miller from the, DC con- uh, from the DC movies. Jimon Hansu, Moshala Ali, um, Mae Whitman. It's like... It's like a who's who of character actors in Hollywood, mm. you know. It's um, yeah, Invincible was fantastic. It's it's not super deep. It's not like don't go in expecting massive themes mm. of isolation and loneliness, but um, it it certainly does the job, and it's the uh, the, the whole package really. Cool. I'm definitely gonna watch that. It's on my to to watch list. Let's do another beer, man. And um, I'm just going to randomly pick a beer out of my magic beer bag and let's see what I get. And it is Devil's Peak Juicy Lucy India Pineapple. I'm very excited. I haven't had a Juicy Lucy probably in about two or three years. Yeah. And it's it's always high quality shit. It's an iconic beer, really, in some ways. It it was, I speak under correction, but it might... This was probably yeah. the first New England IPA beer released in South Africa when it just started as a as a bit of a fashion. It's gone through design changes. I see actually they've got slight design changes on the can. Yeah, but if I remember New correctly, font. this is it, it's very close. Mm. It's very close. Like oh, yeah. the general that that pink and gold. If I remember correctly, the first yeah, the color scheme's always been the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they've changed the main font of Juicy Lucy, which I really like. It's a nice font there. Yeah, it is quite cool. Mm. It is quite cool. It's 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 it kind of suits the brand. I like that. Yeah, and it, it the, the <laughs> artwork is a little bit reminiscent of when they did a few collaborations, and maybe that's where it comes from. They a number of years ago they collaborated a few times yeah. with McKiller from Denmark. Um, yes, I remember. And McKiller yeah. has a similar sort of art style to their beer. Yeah, I, look, I think the thing also is the Devil's Peak. Their branding is always relatively on point. You know yeah. they. They have struggled every now and again without, with not having cohesive branding mm. across the product lines, but it's always been pretty damn good. Yeah, you know? no, for sure. And this one is cool. It's actually got a very swinging 60s kind of feel to it. It does, doesn't you know, it? Like a, this is a bit of a party beer. Yeah, um, and the, the info on the beer also, I mean, not as much as one would like, but it's, no. it's got a little, I mean, interestingly, it's got oats um, and wheat as adjunct um yeah. You know, uh, malts. Um, oats in a IPA is interesting, but more common in a, in a in a New England style. And it's got lactose added. So um, I actually recently um, listened to a podcast of brewers in the States, and that's actually something they mentioned is a trick which comes almost out of home brewing is to add a bit of lactose to IPAs to kind of punch up the hop flavor. That seems to oh, have really? a, a net effect of punching up hop flavor, although it does affect the the sessionability of the beer. But that's an interesting ah, ad- addition. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, look, still on point as far as brand is concerned. I I still like it. I don't really have any qualms. I like the wraparound label. I like mm. the fact that it's a it's not a blocked off graphic in the middle of the can. 
That's mm. um, a full use uh, of the cans, you know, properties. Yeah, yeah, I like that. You know, mm. it's it's it shows a confidence. You know, it's not like we've got to smash everything in one corner. There, yeah. you know, the one. I mean, looking at one side of the can, it's just it's droplets of beer or or whatever the golden nectar is. Yeah. Um, and an Afro. What's Afro funk, Marcel? So, is this so I'm not some sure. society I need to join? I I don't know. I'm, I I did uh, again the standard number amount of research for the show, which is fuck all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say uh, maybe yeah. it's it's a collab between I think Afrofunk is a brewery or a collaborative oh, okay. endeavor. Okay. Uh Afrofunk seems to be a sub brand from Devil's Peak. Uh, okay. So it's it's one of their special brands. Or yeah. Okay, well yeah. that that's interesting. I mean they've they have played around with that. They had and I think they still do Alpha. Uh yeah, so that's exactly cider, what it is. So, so, um, so the, the Juicy brand. Lucy the, the Juicy Lucy forms part of this sub Afrofunk, uh, um, which has Vani Hoat and a Saison. Mm. It's it's all these kind of brewed, um, maybe small brews, small batch brews. Yeah, yeah, more reminiscent of what they uh, used to be in in the old yeah, days. Using stouts and dark malts and stuff like that. So okay, so that's what it is. It's this. It's kind of a boutique. Look, I've got opinions about Juicy Lucy, so I don't want to preface it too much. I'd rather have you lead off here. Okay. Well, I, I look. I the last I actually have had, like I said, Juicy Lucy the last time about two, three, or, mm. two or three years ago. I've always loved Juicy Lucy. I've always, always yeah. really, really enjoyed. Well, it's definitely it. a favorite amongst beer judges as well. It always does well in competitions when they enter it. Foley, nice Foley there, Matt. You're welcome. Yeah. So in the glass, I'll start us off. I'm having this, by the way, in my lovely Rustal. Um, Sort of sniffed a glass or goblet, and uh, great head, great head retention, nice big foamy head coming out, and yeah. something you would expect maybe with a, a wheat, some wheat added in a beer does help with uh, your foam production, and as one would expect from a New England IPA, very cloudy, very cloudy, that kind of milky cloud with a very mm. light yellow kind of yeah, like haze. a golden, light golden color. But again, as we said before in other shows, it's not a turbid haziness. It's a no. It's uh, a very, un- it's a very I know uniform. It's weird, but it's a clear hazy. Yes, exactly. It's a uh, there's a clarity to it. Mm. Uh, immediately, the grapefruit, the juicy, juicy grapefruit. I can smell it immediately. Yeah, it's very grapefruit forward, very grapefruit rind. A little bit of lemon. I get some lemon here as well. A little bit of lemon, a little bit of sourness as well. But promises great things. I have to say, it's a bright aroma. It isn't closed yeah. off. It doesn't seem cloying in any way. There's no, zero flaw here. All. I mean, nothing no. flawed in this aroma at all. No, it's got. A, there's like a crunch to it, you mm. know, like a mm. crispness. It's mm. okay. Drink. Mm. Okay. <laughs> oh, fuck, that's such a good beer. I want to cry. Yeah, that's such it's a good really beer. delightful. Is it? I mean, such a good beer. You know, again, I think we've spoken about this before, but in in beer judging, when you do beer competitions, one of the things you often the judges talk about is, is this a delightful beer? Is this a beer which just delights you and makes you want to immediately have another one? And the answer to both those questions is a resounding yes. Fucking yes. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. You know, there's that program on Netflix where that chick comes into your house and and then removes everything that doesn't bring you joy. Right, right. So right now, at this point in time, 
She could come into my house and she would remove everything except this beer. Right now, this beer is the only thing that brings me joy. Yeah. No, I this think is, you're right. so fucking good. It's mm. so good. Everything it promised on the head. Everything. That clarity of flavor, that grapefruit, that little bit of sourness, a little bit of sweetness, that bitterness, but not overpowering bitterness, just very forward on front. Mm. At the back, it finishes super clean, super dry. Yeah. So good. It's so good. It's a lovely, lovely beer. I mean, it. the dry finish for me is the clincher. Um, I love the New England IPA style when it's done properly because it's very bright, juicy, mm. as the name suggests. Um, it must be juicy. It must be fruit forward. It, it sometimes has to almost taste like you're having a fruit salad. And not a fruit salad that's been standing in the sun for a couple of hours, but something right out no, of the fridge. No, like a, out of the fridge, still crisp, 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 just cut, just sliced. Mm. It has a lovely silky mouthfeel probably because of the oats, um, but it finishes dry. Not overly dry, just as dry as I'd like it. Because exactly dry enough to make you want to take the next sip. And refreshing. That's, that's how dry it finishes. And beautiful. And it's not as it's not a, a small beer. I mean, it's got a six six percent ABV, so it's right up there with the typical IPA. Doesn't um, taste like it. Doesn't taste like a six. Yeah. And that's again brewer skill. Not even close. You know, the brewer's skill is really there in hiding the the alcohol and blending it together with everything else. The flavors are well integrated. I mean, mostly I get grapefruit again. It's slightly lessened, you know, like you get mm. you get the impression of grapefruit rather than the flavor of grapefruit. Yeah. And, it, and it, almost it all, like a, there's almost a bit of a blackberry kind yeah, of thing going on Yeah, there's almost like a, a, a sweet and sour. Yeah. Mm. But it really integrates well. So this is a big beer for me. Um, Fuck, it's just so balanced. It, it deserves so... kudos, really. Matt, this is going on the IPA leaderboard. And, oh, what a huge um, surprise. It's one of the few New England IPAs we've had so far, um, but I have a figure in mind, and it's going to be surprising. The the Juicy Lucy is perennially one of the best IPAs in the country. Yeah. And on top of which, it's probably, probably the best New England IPA in the country. I think, I would so, say without a doubt, it's the best New England IPA in the country. It doesn't come out year, I mean, every month of a the year, they do release it seasonally. Yeah. So it's something I look yeah. forward to, and as soon as it drops in my local liquor store, I'm pretty much the asshole who buys all of them. <laughs> so if you can't find Juicy Lucy and you live near me, well, I now am I know. to blame. <laughs> now I know. Okay, I've got a number, my soul. I've got a number. Okay, so yeah. I'll, I'll start us off. So I was looking at my ratings up to now, and I really yeah. have to be honest. I mean, I'm enjoying this beer as much as I enjoyed Lagunita's Little Something Something. Yeah, it, it gives as much there, huh? for me. It, it It is a different beer, obviously. It doesn't have the mm. sort of Belgian styles, which I do love. Um, I'm giving this a nine. This is a nine beer for me. I'm yet to see a ten, but this is a nine. I think I'm going to give this a nine as well. I'm going to give this a nine. Well, Matt, in doing so, you have just made Juicy Lucy a new number one. IPA on the IPA leaderboard. I, I think it's well-deserved. Yeah. I, that doesn't actually surprise me. I've mm. been enjoying this beer for, I mean, what, maybe five, six years? How yeah. long has you to be coming out for? About, About that, that long, time. Eh? Yeah, yeah. And, and I am constantly, constantly impressed by the quality. Mm. I've never had a bad can of Juicy Lucy. No. 
and and it's always a surprise, and it mm. shouldn't be. You know, it's mm. always like, holy shit, this is good. Yeah. It no, never stops surprising you with its It's an incredible quality, beer, and it's almost like it's released with no fanfare, uh, no marketing. It's it's like something which if you're into craft beer in South Africa, you know about it, and it's just an incredible beer. It almost justifies for me the existence of Devil's Peak Brewery, you know, and, and, and sort of... <laughs> I know it's it, Devil's Peak has gone. The whole, the whole brewery should only exist just to pump out as much fucking juice, Lucy, as yeah. humanly possible. I mean, the Devil's Peak has gotten some stick over the years for some of their dodgy marketing choices and and yeah, sure. flirtations with big beer and those sort of things. And uh, some of it was justified. Some of it was based on sheer ignorance of how beer is made and what it's about. Um. But really, Juicy Lucy is an achievement. It should be held up as one of the great beers South African brewers have produced. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this should go on the shelf. You know, King's Blockhouse was the was the OG Big Daddy mm. IPA of South Africa. You know, this is the this is the next generation. I think this the only is thing which is a, is a pity is it is seasonal. I think this is a sort of beer that, if you were in the states, for instance, would be one of your production IPAs for sure. I mean, this yeah. would just be on tap everywhere. This would be a production IPA. You'd be churning it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and it should be Look, here I mean, too. If, if, if this was 1934 Germany and I was chancellor, I would convert the entire production capacity and industrial usage of my entire country. <laughs> what to a weird making More of this beer. Well, that's nice, you know? man, because then, you know, it would have been a better world, right? Yeah. Well, exactly. I want to create Lebensraum for Juicy Lucy. <laughs> All I want is peace. <laughs> a little piece of Poland, a little piece of France. Yes. No, this is it a is lovely beer. So good, man. All mm. I want is another Juicy Lucy. I actually have another Juicy Lucy. I might actually have another Juicy mm. Lucy. No, it is that kind of beer. And it partly is because of that dry finish that immediately upon finishing one, you want another and another so and another. Can I ask you a question? Mm. So I, the only question I have about this Juicy Lucy is that it, it, tends, it, it seems to have a smoothness mm. that previous Juicy Lucy's didn't. Is that the lactose? Um, it could be a little bit of the lactose. It does add a bit to the mouthfeel. Um, but it's also the oats and the wheat. I don't think past renditions had either wheat or oats. I think they had one or the other. They didn't often have both. It, it, I just remember it being maybe a, a, a sharper mm. kind of flavor whereas yeah. this is very smooth mm. you know I'm, I'm not sure which one i actually prefer yeah. but to lactose does have that effect and that's what i was speaking of earlier is lactose tends to soften and smooth out some of your hop flavors that seems to be the consensus now uh, amongst some of the brewers using it in ipas no. um, but it also adds to the brightness of the flavor um and but what's clever here what they did really well is if you add lactose to a beer, you're immediately making it sweeter and you're affecting the body of the beer to be more full-bodied because that's what body yeah. means. It's the yeah. residual sugar in your beer. But what they did yes. here in a very clever way, and homebrewers take note, is they made sure this is a very light-bodied beer in the way they brewed it. So their mash temperatures must be very low, um, you know, around about 64, 65 degrees centigrade to make it a dry beer. So it's really dry, and the lactose doesn't, in that way, make it overly heavy. It just adds a little bit of a note. It's a note. It's just a note of, of kind of softness mm. that's just unexpected. You know, that's, that, that's kind of what I'm saying. This is a great beer. And, yeah, and, it's beautiful, beautiful And beer. as it turns out, it's now our number one IPA on our leaderboard. 
and I think well, I think it's it. well deserved. And I'm yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that it's a South African beer that it's at top there. Yeah, I mean, I was worried that we weren't going to get anything locally, which is going to kick uh, Lagunitas a little bit. But uh, I'm happy to say this one yeah. is. Well, yes, for Devil's Peak, you guys do know how to come out at the fucking clutch, eh? Yeah, you're Is it that time already? Well, it's the end of part one, folks. Tune in for the next episode where we're going to continue in part two of the super special Christmas end of year edition. See you then.